Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade by, make amends, and Trade Addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Hey, it's another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan Myler with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Ryan, Matt, I, I didn't get a chance to say Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I know it's a little bit late now and we all got to enjoy all the turkey and all the football, or at least enjoy the football as much as we could that was on thanksgiving day but ryan happy thanksgiving thanks man it was a good one um it was yeah the football uh, under <laughs> un, under delivered i yeah. guess it was it was rough the, the food was yeah my, oh my gosh i love mashed potatoes and gravy holy cow my favorite thing in the world <laughs> and i only have it a few times a year matt how about you how was thanksgiving for you bud uh, for a few times a year yeah that's it for for mashed potatoes. Is that because you wanted to be? Special I wanted to be or, awesome. Or what? Yes, yes. It's Man, like my I, I don't know if I I didn't I didn't <laughs> used to make them that much because it was kind of a pain. But since I've got one of those instant pot pressure cooker deals, like it's like a twenty to thirty minute thing. The, the thing that tastes the longest is peeling potatoes. You're gonna need some That's details it. on that because it's, uh, the reason yeah. I don't have it is because it's too much Dude, work. You don't even have to. Yeah, you don't even really have to like you know cut them small like the pressure cooker does all the work so we'll have to talk about that but it was good uh the football i I actually stayed away from uh the the two morning games i just kind of hung out with family and friends i didn't just wasn't that interested in the matchups anyway um but uh yeah (laughs) but yeah it was a great great weekend busy weekend really busy today though uh, but it's really good to talk to you guys and and be back on the show yeah i i love those standalone games partially mostly because i love those uh prop bet games places like monkey yeah, knife fight yeah. of course uh hit that a little bit too hard and missed a little bit too much so my thanksgiving <laughs> i lost a little bit of that bankroll uh but you guys should try it everybody out there should try monkey knife fight uh they're one of our partners over here at dlf but we should get to these games and we always start with the, th- the uh, thursday game so we might as well do that again and uh, kick things off with the Bears and the Lions. I, You know, as a Packer fan, it's hard to root for a team in the division, Matt, but I was kind of rooting for the Lions to beat the Bears just because uh, they needed a win bad, man. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. I mean, they're they're such a try hard team. They're so they're 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 likable. Their head coach is likable. Maybe Goff isn't that likable, but Swift and some of the other skill position players are very likable. So, I mean, obviously, I don't want them to be a threat to the Packers, but I'd like to see them not go winless. You know? Yeah, I'd like to see them not go winless either. Uh, but they they couldn't get that first win here on Thursday. They lost to the Bears on the last second field goal, sixteen to fourteen. Uh, Darnell Mooney had the big game, so that was nice to see once again. Five catches, 123 yards. 
on eight targets, Ryan. What were your thoughts on how Mooney um, and and also throw Cole Komet in there because he had the big game, eight catches, sixty five. These guys with the change at quarterback, they they were pretty consistent out there. Yeah, and it's it's tough to know, I guess, how much of that change with, uh, of course, Justin Fields being out and uh, Andy Dalton. Uh, kind of that veteran gunslinger, not around, a, not a, not afraid to throw the ball around. Uh, tough to know how much of that to contribute to these performances. Uh, Mooney had another good game, though. This is uh, three three games in a row for him. Uh, wide receiver five, wide receiver four, and in this one, with a couple games uh, left to go this week, he's the wide receiver fifteen. So he's he's been already outperforming Allen Robinson consistently all season long, really, and uh, now with A-Rob out the past couple of games, really taking that next step forward. Uh, Komet taking a step as well, six targets for him in four of the past five games and a couple of top five tight end games for him. So uh, a little bit slow moving with with both of those players, but uh, I think we're seeing seeing good signs for the future, and uh, we certainly still expect Justin Fields to be uh, a, a real asset to the Bears and to Dynasty. Managers. You mentioned all the targets for Komet uh, over the last few weeks. He actually led the team on Thursday afternoon with 11 in that game. Matt, last week or the week before, you mentioned A Rob as a potential buy that you were trying to add him before the trade deadline. That's something you're still trying to do with him missing this time, right? Yeah, I've been tracking the 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 live the, the, the live trades as it is on, on our trade finder and uh, you know trades across my leagues and things like that. And he's still just like unbelievably cheap. I think he's going to be the buy of the off season uh, in the trade finder. He's gone for as little as a second and third, a single second, or Hunter Henry Henry straight up. I, I can't think of like especially if I'm a contending team and you know want to add a little depth and potentially a starter at wide receiver. Like I feel like my second round pick it would be used a lot better on buying somebody like Allen Robinson than you know using that actual rookie pick to draft a rookie uh, next season in the late second. We mentioned Cole Komet's stat line, the eight catches, 65 yards. It was painful to see Jimmy Graham catch that touchdown. That should have been Komet's, should have added to his big week. Graham just two catches for 34 yards and that score. For the Lions in this one, Ryan, um, the obvious thing to talk about is all about DeAndre Swift. He goes down early, misses the rest of the game. We saw a lot of Jamal Williams, and he goes 15 for 65, but we're all concerned about Swift. Yeah, and you, you talked about loving to watch those those island games where it's the only only game in town or only game going at the moment. Uh, and the great thing about those is you really get to focus on players that you might not get to uh, on the the Sunday slates. So that was uh, that was one thing I was looking forward to. There's there's not much to look forward to when you're watching the Lions, but I was I was hoping to see that full game of of DeAndre Swift and. Um, and of course, that didn't happen. It does sound like relatively positive. I think they've called uh, Swift day to day, so hopefully he'll be back uh, out there in week thirteen. Yeah, it looks that way from early indications following the Thanksgiving game. Uh, for the rest of the team, for the Lions, not a lot really. Goff threw a couple touchdowns. One went to T.J. Hawkinson. I guess that's a nice thing. And then Josh Reynolds was involved in this one. He ran had forty three snaps, second on the team among wide receivers. 22 route run routes run. That was third and five targets. That was tied for first on the team. He ends up catching three for 70 and a touchdown. So maybe he becomes useful down the stretch. We all need, know the Lions 
need some help at wide receiver. The second game on Thursday pitted the Raiders against the Cowboys, and Las Vegas won that one in overtime, 36-33, to behind Josh Jacobs, 22 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown added a couple catches as well. I know Hunter Renfro really helped me out in my uh in my leagues, I have him all over the place. Eight catches, 134 yards on nine targets. Uh, nobody else among those wide receivers can really catch it. So they throw it to Hunter Renfro. The big the big line out of this one, Ryan, is the injuries that came out of it. Because Darren Waller, he pulls up lame and misses the rest of the game. And then Zeke's banged up. Now they're talking about maybe he'll rest moving forward. Not great news for a couple stars that we're depending on. No, not at all. So we're we're now two for two on these Thursday games with with some pretty uh, significant players going down. Not what you wanted to see. Uh, the Waller injury, knee. Uh, they have diagnosed that as an IT band injury, uh, and not really saying if he'll miss any time. Again, hopefully, if uh, if that's the case, not very long. But did avoid that serious knee injury, so that's good news. Foster Moreau, we've talked about him in, in previous episodes. He's a guy I think all three of us like. Uh, and if if um, Waller does miss time, Moreau definitely worth a waiver wire pickup. The Zeke story is more interesting because he was in and out of that lineup, and uh, Pollard was playing pretty well. Uh, and then after the game is when, as you mentioned, they start talking about uh, maybe limiting his his work or even giving him some time off. And uh, Dan, I think you and I had had a, a conversation off air earlier in the season about uh, what the NBA refers to as load management. Uh, you know, an 82 game NBA season, there, there's going to be players that just sit out that not with an injury, but just simply rest and, and they're not playing uh, every single game and with the expanded schedule this year I know it's I know it's just one more game but I mean that's that's a ton on uh, on a player's body and 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 thinking about what they're used to so I, I think this is going to become more and more of a regular thing that um, especially these star players just simply sit out because they need a or, break or they take take only half the the workload that they usually would for a week or two. I think, it, honestly, I think it's been happening in the NFL, and we just don't notice it as much. You see teams hold players out for minor injuries, and that's what they're doing. It's it's not just injury-related. It's load management from time to time. And a lot of times we see, uh, in especially in New, New England, we see it in San Francisco with these running backs, a guy that'll go off one week and then be uh, healthy and active the next week. I really think that's part of it. They want they want to make sure they get a guy through the next week that's healthy and ready to go for the week after. You mentioned Pollard's name, 10 carries, 36 yards, four catches for 32. There's a lot of buzz on Twitter and, and among the Dynasty universe, I guess, that Tony Pollard may be the better of the two running backs, and he deserves more of a workload and Man, maybe I'm wrong on this, guys, but he strikes me as one of those running backs that might be better with less, more effective with he, less. I was going to say the same thing. He looks super explosive, like way more explosive than Zeke does, you know, quicker, faster, uh, especially in the open field uh, with the ball in his hands. But we've seen players like that before that look great like that. Um, I'm trying to think of one that comes to mind right now, and it's escaping me. Um, but, uh, yeah, when they get more volume, uh, then they sort of fade a little bit. And we've seen that time and time again with players like this. But it will be interesting to see, especially next week, if Zeke does decide to rest, uh, to see see what that looks like with a full full game out of 
of out of Pollard because we're going to need that data point. I think for you know in terms of making trades and trading away and, and buying and that kind of thing. I thought it was interesting in this game getting back to the Raiders and the Cowboys, especially that Las Vegas o- offense. It looked a little bit more dynamic once again, and maybe that's because Deshaun Jackson was there stretching the defense. They were spreading the football out. Jackson three catches for 102 yards and a score. I think Vegas needs that deep threat, and they lost that with Ruggs. It's back with Deshaun Jackson, and Derek Carr looked a, looked a lot more comfortable once again, 373 yards and one catch. So maybe when Waller gets back on the field, he's a little more trustworthy. Matt, what do you? I know there's a lot of dynasty managers that are worried about Waller. This isn't the first time you know he's been banged up a little bit, and he's had a, a couple of duds over the last handful of weeks since really since week one when he had all those targets. So what are we thinking about Darren Waller moving forward? I just wonder where we should be ranking him amongst those top five to six players. Like, I kind of feel like he should be sixth, and I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't know how you guys feel about that. But, I mean, if you look at the guys around him, it, it kind of feels like that's that's about where he should be. I, I would definitely rather have Pitts, Hawkinson, Kittle uh, ahead of him. I think it's a conversation at that. Like, uh, do you care about the extra three years that Kelsey has? He's been looking, you know, not, not – I mean, he's been – great obviously but he hasn't been uh you know the the previous five years kelsey and then i think you've got to throw andrews into that conversation as well so i mean i think there's a there's I think there's an argument that he's six. And then if you keep going down the, the line a little bit, you know, Fryermuth is coming on. Would you rather have Fryermuth than, than Waller? Certainly long-term just because of the age, but he's been uh, productive in the touchdown department. You know, Goddard now has been productive without Ertz there. So he seems to be somebody that I think is going to be falling down, especially after all the hype we placed upon him uh, entering this season. I know he was the kind of the hot guy to grab in round two. Um, but uh, I think he's, I think he's six. I think he's five at a minimum and probably closer to six. That'll be a fun conversation for the off season for sure. But since we're on the topic, Ryan, what are your thoughts when it comes to run to Waller? I, I don't think I would have him quite that low, but I, I probably would have him fourth behind Kittle and Kelsey. And, and of course, Kyle Pitts. Um, it, it's just a question of, of players really of any position you rank them highly because you you can rely on that weekly high end production. You know, even even if they're twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty two in in Kelsey's case, and and once they stop producing at that consistent and high level, they fall quickly, as you mentioned, Matt. So, I mean, you, we look at the trends from uh, from Waller. He hasn't he hasn't been that high end producer. You know, he's given us a couple of top five tight end games this season, uh, but even uh, even when he's been amongst the top 12 tight ends, it's been in that eight to 12 range. And we all know what that's really worth. Uh, when you break it down uh, into the weekly game, it's, it's not that great. <laughs> um, and not, and not that impressive. So, uh, I, I think Matt's onto something that he is, this is, this is kind of the beginning of the end of his elite value. Yeah, he's sliding back at the very least. I mean, if I can move him straight up for Andrews right now, I think I'm I'm doing that pretty easily. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people are are making that move though. It probably f- feels like Andrews is on the rise just a little bit, whereas Waller, like you said, is falling. Um, 
finally in this game to wrap this game up, uh, Michael Gallup, five for 106 on eight targets. Cedric Wilson, seven for 104. So on Thanksgiving, we are thankful for those wide receiver two type numbers. And they probably take a step or or probably in Wilson's case, uh, two steps back in the rankings because CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper are about to return. Uh, Dalton Schultz also got into the end zone. So that was a positive if you were uh, depending on him. The nightcap on Thanksgiving was a bummer. The Bills just blasted the Saints 31-6. to Josh Allen goes for 260 and four passing touchdowns, added 43 rushing yards as well. Stephon Diggs was good, 7 for 74 and a score on nine targets. That was a sick little, little I don't know, end zone route where he got open. Uh, man, that was slick. Uh, looked real good on that one. Dawson Knox looked good in the end zone as well. Two times, three catches for 32 yards. So it's, I guess if you started those three guys, you're happy. If you started anybody else in this game though, Ryan, it was a disappointment. Yeah, I think the Saints have won. I think they've won five games this season so far. And I just don't know how right. you, you watch games like that. And of, of course, I mean, obviously Alvin Kamara is out when you're, when your best Offensive weapon is out. It, it's going to look a lot different. But and starting quarterback, uh, yeah, he's yeah, a top thirty-two true. quarterback in the league. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. I I don't know. Sometimes this team just looks so bad, and uh, you, you think about it long term over the entire season, and it's it's actually I think pretty impressive what they've put together. Good but, coaching. Uh, that was yes, definitely. That was that was not the case on Thursday, unfortunately. Um, I mean, Marquez Callaway is a guy we were excited about. I know I was excited about to start the season as, as that sleeper that that probably turned into being uh, overvalued. We talked about him so much. Uh, and, and then Traquan Smith has been an asset in the past to them. I mean, both of those guys with 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 this current offense just have no value uh, could could probably be dropped in a shallow dynasty. Yeah, Trevor Simeon just couldn't distribute the ball properly. 163 yards and a touchdown through that ugly pick. And uh, they had no running game with Tony Jones Jr., 16 carries for 27 yards, and Ty Montgomery led the team in targets. That's not a recipe for success. It's got to be Taysom Hill next week, right? Like, it, it's isn't a time we've seen that Simeon. If like if he, I mean, I just I just think if he gets in a hole, the, the Saints have zero shot. Right, like it seems like he can manage the game. If they're playing from ahead, he can probably distribute the ball okay. But he's not going to bring them back from from the brink, and that's something that Taysom can do. So, I mean, unless the Saints are just going to give up on the rest of the season, which maybe it's it's time to do that, I feel like it's time to see some Taysom. I did think it was funny because, it, it, I mean, Taysom Hill, I think, has become one of the most hated players in in fantasy football. You know, ev- everybody seems to complain about him. He hurts. Um, he hurts Alvin Kamara's production in the past couple of years. He's hurt Drew Brees production. Uh, but on, on Thanksgiving night, it was only Taysom Hill yeah. that fans and fantasy players were clamoring for. That's, that's how bad Trevor Simeon was. And, and this offense was that we were begging for Taysom. There's Hill. just no playmakers and Taysom has the potential to add that dynamic to the offense. So we'll see if that happens. Of course, Taysom, was barely active on Thursday night. He was he was banged up and only available in emergency role. So if he gets healthier, maybe we get a shot to see him on the field. That that was an emergency. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got to pay for Taysom? And uh, if you wanted to try to you know speculate and buy Taysom this week, just in case it was happened before any news come out, what do you think you got to pay for him right now in Superflex? 
Can you get him for a single second, like a late it second? It feels like a little more than a second. You gotta give you gotta yeah. give something on top, most likely. But I'd be okay moving him, e- even with the contract. It, yeah, you know, if you get a two seconds or close to first round value, I'd be selling him for sure. Oh, absolutely for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Sunday games, fellas. The speaking of unwatchable offense, the Steelers' offense looked dreadful on Sunday afternoon. The Bengals just blasted them, forty-one. To 10, uh, Joe Mixon was the story here. 28 carries, 165 yards, and two touchdowns. If the game would have been more competitive, he'd have ran for 265 yards. He was unstoppable out there. T. Higgins caught a touchdown, went over 100 yards. That's good news for Higgins, but not so much for Jamar Chase. Just three for 39. Burrow had a rushing touchdown, threw for 190, and a touchdown through the air as well. I don't know what to say about the Bengals, Ryan. I guess we can wax poetically about Joe Mixon because he looks like a top five running back when they're handing him the ball that much. Oh, he's been unreal. Uh, Looking back since week six, he was the RB4. I had a down game, RB24 the next game. But over the past four, RB2, RB4, RB4, and RB2, we're talking about a total of five top four running back games in the past six uh, six contests for the Bengals. Unreal tear that he's on and somehow not being talked about enough, you know, being being overlooked and undervalued as as really he has been through much of his career, I think. Um, so you're, you're right. There's not much more to say about it. If, if you've been watching the Bengals or even checking box scores, he, he's been unbelievable, and, and he's carrying teams to the playoffs. I love how that coaching staff has committed completely to Joe Mixon. We saw a little Chris Evans late, but that was Joe Mixon's backfield throughout the game. Even stole an interception from uh, a Steelers defender on a tip pass, just jumped over him and, and caught it. That was pretty impressive. From the Steelers' point of view, Matt, th- it's getting pretty ugly. It, ben Roethlisberger coming off the huge game last week – 263, a touchdown, and two horrible picks. I want to talk to you about Pat Fryermuth. You were talking about your tight end rankings. He has to be moving up. Scored once again on Sunday, four catches for 40 yards. It was kind of a garbage time touchdown. But at the by the end of the season, we're going to be looking at Pat Fryermuth as a tight end we can build around on our dynasty rosters. I think he's already easily yeah. in the 7 to 10 range. I mean, I... Do I really want Noah Fant that much over over Pat Fryermuth at this point? It, like, it's for sure a conversation. Can I can I can I move Fant for Fryermuth in a second? I'd absolutely do that all day. No and way. then you don't think so? No, I think you'd have to. I think you'd have to pay more to get Fryermuth at this point. In our latest ADP, we just posted it last week, I believe. Uh, Fryermuth was tight end ten. He's behind Gasecki, which I think is crazy. He's behind Noah Fant. Um, so I think you're at least moving him up two spots to eight. I think he's seven uh, or then, eight easily. Yeah. And then you're talking about Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson range. So that's prob- probably, probably a, a gap between, uh, hot, uh, I'm sorry, Hawkinson and Goddard to Friar Muth. But I think at this point he's, he's at the top of that next year. Yeah, The production just keeps lining up. Really? He's, he scored five touchdowns in the last five weeks. He's getting targets regularly, only four on Sunday against the Bengals. But before that, seven, nine, six, and seven working backwards. He's a big part of this offense. And maybe that has a lot to do with Roethlisberger. We'll see if that changes over time, if he moves on next season. But either way, it it seems like Friermuth is a big part of this offense. 
Yeah, I did want to, Dan, go back and, and talk about the Bengals for a moment. We mentioned uh, Joe Mixon's production with those five top four games uh, over the past six games. It's Jamar Chase who's really, uh, really hurting because of that. In those games where Mixon is producing, Chase has been the wide receiver 25, 26, 39, 28, and this week the wide receiver 47 with a couple games to play. So I think uh, I, I think we can go back to the time when you uh, kind of jokingly made fun of Jamar Chase having his worst game of his <laughs> it's, career. It's my and, fault. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's all your it's fault. It's been downhill, tanked it. downhill since then. Um, seriously, though, I mean, I, I don't have any long-term concerns on Jamar Chase because of this. I don't think his price is being impacted at all. You know, he's still a top top three startup pick overall from for most dynasty managers, I would think, top five at worst. Um, so really this is just uh, kind of kind of the growing pains of the Bengals offense with uh, still almost a, a rookie quarterback essentially after that injury last year and and obviously the rookie star wide receiver. So um, just – just hoping for a little more balance between that offense, but I, I think that. And it's count. also a young head coach that's trying to manage being a winning team or trying to be a winning team for the first time. He's figuring a few things out, and most of that is turn around and hand it to twenty eight, and good things happen. And that that's what you you can see it all clicking right now. That's what he wants to do: is establish that running game, get the lead, and then and then just grind the clock. That's what they did on Sunday against a Steelers defense who had their studs back. So impressive win for the Bengals from a football perspective, impressive running back in their backfield as well. The Jets and Texans faced off on Sunday afternoon and somebody had to get their third win. It was the Jets winning 21 to 14. I don't know if there's anything to talk about here. I wanted to come on here and and start talking about Elijah Moore or just four catches for 46 yards. How about Zach Wilson, rookie quarterback, no, he couldn't do it against the Texans' defense, 145 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Of course, the three-headed monster of Tevin Coleman, uh, Ty Johnson, and Austin Walter, who, uh, that's it. It was it was as ugly as 2-8 and eight versus 2-8 and eight could be, Ryan. Yeah, pretty pretty much what you would expect. I think the uh, the thing to watch in this one was Zach Wilson returning after that injury. We've seen it. Um, three quarterbacks play for the Jets since he went out. And um, unfortunately it didn't feel like there were high expectations with Wilson coming back as good as Elijah Moore has been with, uh, with that carousel of quarterbacks. It was right back to early season form for Wilson. And unfortunately for Moore. and I think he got, um, I think he led the team in targets. I believe Elijah Moore did, but, Still not not good enough. You look at the games that Wilson's played. Uh, quarterback nineteen in week one. That was his best finish. Uh, he's had uh, four games as the quarterback twenty nine or worse. Uh, you know, based on what we've seen in in recent years, uh, Josh Rosen's situation comes to mind. I I just wonder, does this team give up on on Zach Wilson quickly? Uh, I I don't think it's likely, but also I, I do think there's at least a chance that they uh, start looking at some other options. These are growing pains, but they are massive growing pains. He has not looked good even against really poor defenses. I, I believe he had one 
kind of highlight game earlier in the season before the injury. But at the very least, you're concerned about Zach Wilson and how things are going to go moving forward because it didn't look good against a banged-up Texans defense that hasn't looked good against anybody. For the Texans, Tyrod Taylor, 158 yards and two touchdowns, added 30 rushing yards, so he was fine if you needed him in super flex. Brandon Cooks. He was fine as well. Three catches for 45 yards and a score, a long score at that. The surprise of the week, probably Brevin Jordan. Second game this year that he's had a nice little stat line. Three catches, 23 yards, scores the touchdown, Ryan. I've been I've been hesitant to jump on the Brevin Jordan Express, even going back to draft season. Uh, but he's made a couple plays already as a rookie. Well, so much of the the regular season basically up until this point we we turned into you know we turned into a redraft mentality and uh, we think about adding players that we can automatically put into our lineup but around this time of year uh, we're getting close to fantasy playoffs trade deadlines have maybe passed in your league or are getting close and we start thinking about those dynasty stashes and Brevin Jordan is one of those for sure uh Likely on your waiver wire, unless you're in a deep dynasty league. Not a guy I'm starting the rest of the way, uh, unless things really change. But I do think there have been some positive signs that should earn him a a dynasty roster spot as we get close to the offseason. And this one on Sunday, he uh, led the team with, or led the tight ends, I should say, in snaps and routes run uh, ahead of the veterans there. Uh, so that good good sign for Brevin. Yeah, Jordan. 19 routes run, caught the three passes. Of course, Jordan Akins is banged up, so we'll see how that plays out the rest of the year. But as Ryan said, we're looking for young guys with a, even a little bit of upside, and at the very least, Brevin Jordan has some of that. How about the Buccaneers and the Colts? And probably, most likely, the game of the day on Sunday. Buccaneers 38, Colts 31. They had a shot at the end. It was entertaining for sure. And a lot of that is because of Leonard Fournette. 17 carries. He hit exactly 100 yards rushing again. I I think that's like the third time. feels like every week I say that. Three rushing touchdowns. Then throw on seven catches for 31 yards. And another score on eight targets. So... I don't know if you can say enough about Leonard Fournette. He looks real good. Um, Between the tackles runner and then now adding all those receptions out of the backfield, he's the check down option. Ronald Jones is an afterthought. He he almost got like a – so they got the pass interference at at some point in the third or fourth quarter. Um, Fournette already had the three rushing touchdowns or at least three of his four total touchdowns. And it was like the, the coaching staff said, you know, we better get Rojo in there for one, get get him in there. We're out, down there at the one yard line. So they let him get one of the rushing touchdowns or it would have been five. Uh, other notes from this game, Rob Gronkowski, holy cow. He looks like a different guy, fellas. He, he it's old school Gronk. It's old Gronk smash from New England. He looks limber going up the seam, and he did it multiple times. There were so many times in this game where you looked up and they were set up at the 12 to between 5 and 12 yard line, somewhere in there, and it was a Gronk catch up the seam that got him into position to score. He would have caught a touchdown uh, at one point where the Buccaneers had to kick a field goal. He got targeted. It got knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Absolutely shook the defender wide open. Would have been a touchdown in the front corner of the end zone. He looks like peak Gronk right now, Ryan. What are we going to... I just... If he's on the field again in Tampa Bay next year, he's got to be considered one of the top tight ends. Absolutely. 32 years old. Same age as Travis Kelsey, who we 
uh, basically lock in as a, as a top three dynasty tight end. So I uh, don't think we can just hold age against Gronk necessarily. We certainly can't hold this offense against him because it's it's uh, it's the perfect spot for him. No surprise with his buddy Tom Brady. On Sunday, Gronk sees 10 targets. That is the same combined that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin had. So we know Antonio Brown is the Tom Brady favorite. We know Gronk is the Tom Brady favorite. In four full healthy games that Gronk has played this year, he's been the tight end one, tight end two, tight end three, and tight end nine. Oh, my goodness. Lock it in every single week. Yeah, you got to have him in your lineup. But now what are we doing if we still have a trade deadline, Matt? If we're, if we're looking for tight end help, if you've been starting a guy like Noah Fant, what are you willing to pay to go get Gronk? Because you never know. This might be it. He is 32 years old. I think if I am, I mean, if he's if he's languishing on a non-contending team, like I would throw a second plus for him pretty easily, and yeah. that, that's easily getting it done in the trade finder. I mean, a third and a fourth round pick, uh, Hunter Bryant, who I think is still on the NFI list, like it hasn't even suited up this season for the for the Lions. Uh, so Hunter Bryant, a fourth and a fifth, you know, a second and a, a late second and a fourth. A fourth by itself, like Brian Edwards straight up. These are all pieces that are, you know, not going to help you win a title. And uh, if you can get some prospects or some picks that aren't going to ever start for you uh, and pick up Gronk for, because I, I, I mean, how long do you think he's going to play? I feel like you said it already kind of, he's back on the field next year, but I kind of feel if Brady's back, then it's kind of a lock that Gronk is back. And I think we all think that Brady's back for at least one more. So that means Gronk is. So giving up your late second round pick is, is not the worst. Give a second and a third, give your second, third and a fourth. That's one of Ryan's and I's favorite tricks is to just kind of like, oh, look at all these picks I'm giving you, and there's really only actually one good pick out of five that you're getting. So those are different strategies that you could try, I think, to get Gronk. A second, Send your second, third, and fourth. I, I like that what you said, a second plus something, even if that means throwing a young player into the deal that might have a little bit of upside. Uh, Gronk is going to put up top 10 numbers every single week. He's going to be in your lineup and winning you matchups, potentially. A three-touchdown game is on the way for Rob Gronkowski down the stretch. I think you you treat him a little bit like how we – I think you just treat him like it's great because you know when he's not going to play, right? And if he's not in, oh, well, he's not going to play. I'll throw in any other tight end who's going to do, you know, pretty much what what every tight end, but like maybe the top, top six to eight are going to do anyway. And then the weeks that you do have him, you know, you're scoring probably a top three to five score uh, pretty easily and maybe even the tight end one overall. I bought him for a second this week. I get. I, I was wondering, would you guys trade Noah Fant for him right now if you needed him to win a title? Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I if I'm I like would. super strong, and if I'm studded out everywhere else and like, that's my one hole. I mean, why not? I traded a second for him in a contract league and I was considering trading Noah Fant instead on a, uh, with another year on his contract. Do you, if, if you're just ready to move off of Noah Fant or if you're looking to buy Noah Fant, would you trade a first or expect to get a first no. for him? No, no, no way. So they're they're in the same yeah, value. They're in the same range, yeah. and and a really a building team probably wants Noah Fant over Rob Gronkowski, or at least a lot of those managers would. That, that's probably a smash, except for one of those managers. In fact, they're probably like see that in their inbox and they're hitting it immediately. I like that. That that was my next move. If I didn't get him for the second, I was gonna I was gonna float Noah Fant's name out there. Uh, the Falcons and the Jaguars. Atlanta wins this one twenty-one to fourteen, and it was the return 
of Cordero Patterson. He returned to the end zone again, 16 carries, 108 yards and two touchdowns, just two catches for 27 on three targets. Wasn't even used as much as a wide receiver in this game. Seemed like maybe a role reversal. He didn't, he wasn't so much the slash player as much as the featured running back. Looked good doing it, going over 100 and finding pay dirt twice. Russell Gage also found the end zone, uh, six for 62. Kyle Pitts, though, Ryan, we already know what Matt thinks. Uh, two catches, 26 yards on six targets. Just a little bit of growing pains for Kyle Pitts from time to time during his rookie season. Yeah, it's been frustrating for sure. Uh, I know even after that slow start, he was uh, off to almost a record-breaking pace when it comes to fantasy uh, production. That That is definitely tailed off. We're looking at single-digit fantasy points uh, the past four or five games uh, straight. So, I mean, he's gotten to the point where you can't, you can't start him, uh, safely, but we also know he's going to have that blow up game at at some point. I, I still think this has more to do with, with Matt Ryan. Uh, basically same thing I said with Jamar chase, there's no panic for me on Kyle Pitts. And I also don't think he's, uh, his price is not coming down. You're not going to be able to buy low on pits at all. Yeah, there, there's no managers that that aren't on the Pitts Express. They're all expecting him to be the tight end one and put up those numbers sooner rather than later. It's just, like I said, it feels like growing pains and defenses are keying on it. They want to stop him. They know he's the only weapon really there in town. They need Kelvin Ridley bad back in the worst way. Um, going back to Cordero Patterson, I thought it'd be fun to talk about him in in a little bit less, you know, for weeks we've talked about trade your second round pick, get him on your roster, use him for the rest of the year. But what about beyond that, Ryan? Because the contract's up, it was a short-term deal, he, he has to love how they're using him in Atlanta. Do Are we to the point now where we should ex- at least expect him to get the first crack at being the guy back in Atlanta next year? I think so. I, I I hope he stays in Atlanta, um, which is, is funny to say as much as we've complained about this offense in general this season. Uh, but I hope he stays there. And, you know, given his age, he's he's going to be 31 before the uh, before next season starts. I, I don't think the demand is as far as what kind of contract he could get is necessarily going to be all that high. I certainly think a lot of teams would be interested, um, you know, we we all know we say it every year it's a copycat league and uh even though they're they're not winning on the field uh teams are obviously looking at the way the Falcons are using Patterson looking at the way the 49ers are using Debo Samuel and they're going to want a player like that so i i, I do think um i don't think he's going to break the bank but i think a lot of teams will be in on on Corderell Patterson and i think it's going to be one of the big decisions dynasty managers face this offseason is how to value this guy his value has obviously gone up but still very reasonable we we've talked the trade value uh, basically in every episode he's, he's getting traded for a second rounder every single week in, in different leagues um, his, his ADP is up to RB 36 mm. uh, in our November ADP still outside of the top 100 overall outside of the top 100 and you know we talk about long-term expectations the age 30, all those things, he, he doesn't have the mileage, the wear and tear as a typical 30-year-old mm-hmm. running back. He's, he's saved a lot of those hits 
and might have saved enough to get another year or two of production out of. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar season next year. Matt Ryan, on the other hand, Matt, probably not expecting big things out of him going forward. We already talked about Ben Roethlisberger a little bit. Matt Ryan fits into this. Maybe Cam Newton is an aging quarterback that's a starter right now that we're all wondering, especially in Superflex League, what to do with these guys. How are you valuing these guys against each other and then just in general moving forward? Well, I just wrote Matt Ryan versus Ben Roethlisberger on the on the notes there, just because like we we've talked all 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 season, all off season, maybe all last season about how his arm is just dead. And I saw one particular play from Matt Ryan today where he missed Mike Davis on oh just gosh. like a uh, just like that that he threw it like four feet over his head and he was like three yards down the field, like that was like and he had no pressure on him, he had no nothing, like it was just I don't know if the ball was slippery. I'm trying to make excuses for him because there's no excuse that a, a starting NFL quarterback should miss a throw like that. So uh, I just wonder whose arm is more dead at this point between between Ryan and Ben. Who do you want, though, Matt, moving forward, going into next year? Do you rank the three of them, Matt Ryan, Big Ben, and Cam Newton? Cam, Ryan, Ben. Matt, or Ryan? <laughs> Ryan's just shaking his head. He doesn't want to. No, 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 and no. No, no, and no. I mean, I, I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to retire. I don't think that would yeah. be a surprise at all. Um, if he doesn't, for some reason, he would definitely be last on my list. I don't think any of these guys. I think are that sigh uh, is enough, Ryan. These, it's watch messy. You, you watch. We know Matt, Cam Matt. can run. That's why he's first, right? Yeah. yeah. Ugh, it's it's ugly. What happens to Dan when uh, Rogers moves on and Matt Ryan's available? That he's the next quarterback for the for the for the Packers. You watch, because love it, love ain't it. Jordan Love, baby. Jordan Love, baby. It's not. It's uh, not. How about the Jaguars? They got a young quarterback. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was fine in this one, 228, and a touchdown. Also ran for 39. Looking like he's getting a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. I'm looking for some bigger games down the stretch for him. Um, not the big numbers yet, but I do believe it's coming. He's, he's making better decisions with the football, and I think he's turning a corner slowly it's just taken a little while how about j-rob though because we expected mid-season ryan for him to really explode he had that backfield to himself he had an ugly fumble in this game got benched for a stretch didn't get that whole that entire workload after that 17 carries 86 yards and you know just has dynasty managers scratching their head three catches for 29 i guess that saves his day but we're all wondering with james robinson what to expect moving forward yeah, a little bit frustrating. I mean, he, as you said, kind of saved his day. Still had over 100 total yards, so not a, a total dud. But um, you look just at the usage, and uh, he played 38 snaps compared to 32 for Carlos Hyde. Uh, Hyde ran more routes than, than James Robinson did. So, uh, again, thinking more long-term, if Carlos Hyde is, is eating into the workload in this way, what's Travis Etienne going to do? Um and then, of course, uh, Robinson has been injured, too. So that that could be a big part of the story, that he's not fully healthy. Uh, regardless, I don't know that we can count on him uh, as the 
fantasy regular season winds down. Yeah, it it doesn't feel like it right now. You're you're sliding him down into the RB2, into the flex range, rather than late running back one where we kind of expected him to be. For the pass catchers in Jacksonville, I know I was disappointed to see Dan Arnold leave the game early in this game, uh, but LaVisca Chenault, five catches for 33 on nine targets. He had an end zone look that got sailed over his head. I thought a little more competitive throw, maybe he gets a chance at that one. And then the weird ones, Laquan Treadwell led the team in receiving yards with 53 on eight targets, caught four of them, and Marvin Jones four for 43 on seven, Ryan. Anything with any of these pass catchers? Just still frustrating with Chenault. Uh, Again, I feel like we say the same thing every week. Uh, Jamal Agnew had the injury last week that ended his season that we talked about. Um, And you would think that would open the door for, uh, for more work for, um, for Chenault. And even though he did lead the team in targets, as you mentioned, didn't really do much with them when you're getting out produced by Laquan Treadwell. It is not good. Not good news. Indeed guys, we're sponsored by monkey knife fight, the fastest growing daily fantasy site site in the world. Instead of spending your time building elaborate salary cap rosters or competing against professional players, you can explore unique, fun, easy-to-play games like More or Less, Knockout Kings, Eagle Eye, Goal Rush, or TD Dance. Play any of the major sports such as the NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB, as well as UFC, NASCAR, golf, soccer, and various college sports without competing against all those sharks. Right now, you can open a new Monkey Knife Fight account, make an initial deposit, and get a full year of DLF Premium for free. As an added bonus, if you use the promo code DLF, Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit 100%, doubling your initial funds. Simply log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. Uh, the Carolina Panthers jumped out to a 7-0 lead and got blown out 33-10. Man, Jalen Waddell was incredible in this one. Nine catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. And it felt like he missed a couple opportunities. He could have he pushed for 200, really. There, there was a like a skinny post, deep slant, whatever you want to call it, where he caught and ran that ball and looked like the the next big thing, the next Tyreek Hill or something like that. They weren't going to catch him. Luckily, the safety got the angle on him. I loved his little waddle dance in the end zone as well. That guy's one of my slowly becoming one of my favorite players to watch. Him running routes is beauty for sure. Miles um, Gaskin had a couple of rushing touchdowns, but just 16 carries for 49 yards. Philip Lindsay was activated in this one right away and got 12 carries for 42 yards. So there might be a little bit of a change there. We might see Philip Lindsay add a little bit of dynasty value moving forward. The the real story out of this game is probably on the other side of the football. Cam Newton, just 92 passing yards. Did not look comfortable throwing the football. Two ugly picks. Luckily, has the rushing touchdown. So if you started him, you got that. He was exposed. It felt like to me, uh, they played a lot of cover two shell. They were they were sitting and making him check things down. And a couple of those picks, Ryan came on where he just simply missed uh, missed the receiver and threw it right to somebody. Yeah, it was a rough day for Cam. I mean, on this on this show last week, we all kind of agreed that he was a quarterback one moving forward, and I still think he's going to produce uh, like that in some games. But this is this is kind of the reality of um, what we should expect from him when he's forced to throw. 
uh, because it's it's not going to be good. It wasn't great last year uh, for for the Patriots, and and here we are again. I don't think the Panthers have any better options. I know there was there were some calling for PJ Walker, and and we did see him in the fourth quarter. Where, whether you want to say Cam was benched or if if they just kind of uh, waved the white flag, whatever happened, Walker was pretty bad as well. Um, so. Yeah, just just a frustrating game for Cam Newton, obviously, and we'll just kind of have to play matchups. If it's a game that uh, that feels like Carolina could have the lead, that's where you're going to want to use Cam Newton. Yeah, and, you know, and a somber note, really, because I think every dynasty manager out there cringed when it happened. CMC goes down again, another injury for McCaffrey. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, I kind of mentioned this a few weeks ago as well. You know, don't don't give up on Chuba Hubbard. Um, it's just just frustrating. We we've seen it again. McCaffrey uh, reportedly was an ankle injury. Uh, didn't play much in the second half, uh, and supposedly or reportedly left the stadium in a walking boot. Uh, the Panthers are on bye next week, so that's that's kind of the silver lining here. Maybe it's not a severe injury. He can rest it over the next uh, next couple weeks or next ten days or so, and and be ready for week uh, week fourteen. That would be, but who knows? Uh, Amir Abdullah is going to be a, a waiver wire target just because of this, and it's kind of kind of frustrating. Yeah, very frustrating for sure. The Patriots took care of the Titans, thirty six to thirteen. Kendrick Bourne, five catches, sixty one yards, and two touchdowns, including a pretty impressive grab and run down the sideline, tight rope that sideline, and made a big play there. Uh, there's a chance he might be kind of underrated. He's a guy we should be putting in our lineups moving forward, Ryan. Yeah, I think so. If this uh, if this holds, Kendrick Bourne is currently a uh, currently the wide receiver four on the week. That would be his third game as a wide receiver eight or better. And there's quite a few wide receivers who have produced three top eight uh, wide receiver games this season. I've got the list here. It's Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, Adams, Debo, Jamar Chase, Jefferson, Hollywood, Tyreek, Lockett, uh, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans. And Kendrick Bourne. Mm. Those are the those are the One names. One name so, is not like the others. <laughs> <laughs> um, certainly not not that guy who's a, a weekly starter because we know he also has uh, he has some floor games or, or really a floor of of zero. And that that offense, that passing offense, even though I'm liking what I'm seeing from Mac Jones, that's not one we want to count on on a weekly basis. But there's also this this ceiling. So if you're if you're desperate for that wide receiver three or that flex spot, uh, Kendrick Bourne is at least someone to consider. Feels like a flex guy going forward in in leagues where you're starting nine or ten position players. Especially he's I'm I'm really sick of seeing his 16, 18, 22 points, something like that on my bench. So I'm going to be looking at his name a little bit more. Moving forward, a guy who won't be looking at quite as much. Ryan Tannehill looks pretty ordinary without his weapons out there. 93 passing yards, a touchdown, a bad pick, 24 rushing yards. He might not be all that startable moving forward. I know that they were playing New England, that tough defense, all those things. But Tannehill looks kind of lost. The running backs, surprisingly, I think, Ryan, you and I were talking earlier this week. We wanted to start Dontrell Hilliard over Deonta Foreman, but 
They both came through in this one. Dontrell Hilliard, 12 for 131 and a score. Deonta Foreman, uh, 19 for 109. A couple big runs really bumped those lines up, but they uh, they came through if you needed them. The Giants and the Eagles played on Sunday, and the Giants, uh, they held on 13-7. to Saquon Barkley, 13 carries for 40 yards, 4 for 13. He's slowly getting there, I guess. Uh, not, just really not a lot to say about these Giants. What what are we what are we looking at here, Ryan? When when it comes to the Giants, there's all these rumors about changing in the front office and all those kinds of things. The long term prospect for New York is bleak at this point. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, the the short term is is certainly rough. You mentioned Barkley kind of getting back up to speed. That's that's the good news that uh, he's he's going to be able to. Uh, be back in fantasy lineups, but th- I, th- I think the long-term story is is more interesting here for the Giants. Of course, they fired Jason Garrett last week after uh, another loss. Rumors over the past couple days that uh, General Manager Dave Gettleman would be out after this season. That's that's long overdue. So with both of those changes, um, I- I'm thinking about what's next for this team. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I, I think that's correct. That. Uh, 2022 is the last season of their contract. Uh, they just signed Kenny Galladay to a, a big four-year deal, uh, paid him a ton of money. He looks like a total bust. Um, just just thinking we're going to get some new leadership in here, and I wonder if that means that it's kind of a house cleaning. They don't uh, don't extend the contract of Jones and Barkley. Um, you know, maybe even find a way to get out of that Galladay contract. I'm not sure how easy that would be. But I think we could see some some huge changes in the near future for the Giants. Evan Ingram's contract is up after the season. Of course, they have a relatively new coach as well. Uh, but if you ask a New York Giants fan, they they might be tired of him already as well in in uh, in New York. Um, for the for the Eagles, I wrote on our agenda, guys. It it hurts to watch this Philly offense. Jalen hurts. Man, that was brutal. 129 passing yards, three horrible picks, 77 rushing yards. Like He probably should have been worth negative points in fantasy against a bad defense to play that poorly. It was ugly. Uh, Miles Sanders, another injury, Matt. Um, Nine carries, 64 yards. Looked good before going down. Boston Scott cleaned things up, 15 for 64 and a score. We we were looking for the big game for Miles Sanders, and it would have happened had he not gone down. It it was there for him, and he rolled his ankle on that. It was like a twenty-five yard run or something, opening in the second half. And but but the annoying part about Sanders, other than the injury, was even before that they, for whatever reason, they felt like Boston Scott was like the goal line back. He got that one yard touchdown. Uh, it just just frustrating. It just seems like that coaching staff is not a fan of Sanders at this point. Uh, we saw them, you know, give everything to Jordan Howard uh, for a few weeks while Sanders was out, and we thought maybe we were going to get the same treatment for. Uh, for Miles Sanders as they did with Jordan Howard, but that didn't happen even before the injury. So uh, it just seems like he's uh, like we, the writing's on the wall for him with this coaching staff. He's a boom bust running back too when he's healthy, uh, and he's not really going to be more than that for us in fantasy, unfortunately. The Broncos beat the Chargers twenty-eight to thirteen behind Javante Williams, fourteen carries, fifty-four yards, and a score. Also caught three for fifty-seven on four targets. So maybe a little bit of a tilt towards the rookie in that backfield. Although Melvin Gordon got seventeen carries for eighty-three yards. 
The conversation to, that we need to have here, guys, surrounds that those Broncos receivers. We saw the contracts over the last week or two to Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. They get all that money. Patrick, two for 26. Jerry Judy, two for 25 on three targets. Cortland Sutton, two for 17. So they all catch two passes. All have three targets, Ryan. This is... This is brutal. Until we get a quarterback there in Denver, we can't expect anything despite the big paydays for the wideouts. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. This team has been uh, trying to fix the quarterback situation since Peyton Manning retired, and they've been obviously unsuccessful in doing that, whether it was draft picks or uh, trading for players or through free agency. None of it has worked. Uh, they're they're going to have some options this offseason, uh, potentially some big-name options. Of course, uh, you're all a guy, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Deshaun Watson situation is is very up in the air. Uh, so they're, the Denver is going to have a chance. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see if they can actually find a way to fix this because until they do, you know, as much as, as we like Judy or Sutton or the tight ends, it doesn't really matter. Their their upside is limited by this passing. This game. negative feeling that we have towards Noah Fant, uh, three catches for 12 yards on four targets. Flash forward a year, if these quarterback problems continue, that's what we're going to be thinking about Jerry Judy because they can't get him the ball despite the talent there. Um, the Packers beat the Rams 36-28. to Aaron Rodgers, 307 yards and two. Also ran for a touchdown on a slick little pump fake. I like that. Devontae Adams went over 100 yards on eight catches as well. I think the conversation here probably revolves around MVS. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Ryan. Randall Cobb had the big game, four catches for 95 yards and a touchdown, but that all happened in the first half, and after that... There's a little more MVS. Once again, nine targets, four catches for 50. Got a couple of deep ball looks, and if he comes down with one of those, we're talking about him as a back-end wide receiver one, low-end wide receiver, or high-end wide receiver two once again. There's a little upside here with MVS. Yeah, absolutely, and and what you described there is exactly what happened last week, as you guys both know, uh, that that he did connect on that that long uh, long touchdown. Uh, but it's it's the targets, it's the usage that really sticks out for me. Tied for the team lead with nine targets with Devontae Adams. And that consistent usage, and I know it's only two weeks in a row, but that's that's what we're looking for, that to continue to build. That's what uh, gives me faith in, in using MVS as a wide receiver three or as a flex guy. And now it's, it's two weeks in a row. Good news for MVS. Uh, also good for A.J. Dillon, 20 carries, just 69 yards, but five catches for 21, scored a touchdown on five targets. Aaron Jones was active in this one, but, but kind of played a backup role a little bit, uh, mixed in 10 carries for 23. For the Rams, coming off a bye, pretty disappointing game for them overall. Matthew Stafford, 302 yards, three touchdowns. That all sounds good, but he didn't look comfortable. Clearly playing through injury, we saw... Uh, reports early on Sunday morning that there were some injuries that he's playing through. And you could tell in this game, also Van Jefferson, three for 93 and a score could have been a bigger game for him. Odell Beckham Jr. Got deep, caught a touchdown, ends up five catches for 81 yards in the score. And then Cooper cup seven for 96 guys. Daryl Henderson's been real disappointing over the last month, 16 carries for 55 yards in this game, four catches for 18, but luckily he gets in the end zone uh, through the air. 
The final game we need to talk about here, the 49ers and the Vikings. San Francisco wins 34-26. to Elijah Mitchell was awesome. 27 carries, 133 yards, and a score. Caught 5 for 35 as well. But, Ryan, we got to talk about the injuries. Debo Samuel was great once again. 6 for 66 and two scores. Caught a pass. Delvin Cook was mm, ho-hum on the ground, 10 for 39, but caught six passes for 64. Both left with injuries. That is going to significantly or could potentially significantly impact uh, playoff races down the stretch here in Dynasty. Absolutely. Not not only the playoff uh, implications for those two teams, but as you mentioned, Dynasty teams as well, because these are two... Uh, two of the most important players in Dynasty right now, Debo Samuel and Dalvin Cook. And uh, we're, we're awaiting word, um, which I'm sure will come uh, early in the week. But it did not look good, and it, the, the early reports do not sound good. Uh, Debo Samuel with a groin injury, uh, severity still unknown at this point, getting an MRI on Monday. Maybe that's happened by the time you're listening to the show, but uh, the reports were that he was getting emotional on the sidelines. That's almost never a good sign. Uh, And then the Dalvin cook injury uh, shoulder issue already calling it a dislocated shoulder. Uh, I I think that might actually be a good thing because the other uh, diagnosis that was being thrown around was a, a, I believe it was a labrum tear, which I think, I think would probably be would be even worse. So uh, we'll we'll wait and see what happens with both of those guys. Um, you know, it's it's of course good news and, and huge news for Alexander Madison on the Vikings side. Uh, for the 49ers, we've already seen Brandon Ayuk um, with with some increased workload uh, because the 49ers have been using Debo as a basically as a running back the past two or three weeks instead of a receiver. So it would be a continued large, uh, larger role for Ayuk, And it would also be good news for, uh, for Mitchell, the rookie running back. If, if Debo were to miss any time, the other guy that maybe you might look at on the waiver wire might be Jawan Jennings, just a couple of targets in this one, but two of them were in the end zone, caught one nearly pulled the other one in, in bounds. If, Samuel were to miss time, maybe Juwan Jennings is the next guy in line. There's also Trent Sherfield and a couple others as well. You mentioned uh, Elijah Mitchell there, Ryan. He has the big stat line, big game coming off the finger injury. Now we got to start looking long-term with this guy because he was drafted later, all those things, but certainly looks like the, the has the potential to be the guy in that San Fran backfield even next season. Yeah, we we know the San Francisco coaching staff doesn't care about draft capital at, at at this point. Like once you get past the draft, they they threw Trey Sermon, you know, out to pasture. He also suffered an injury uh in this game. Uh and they they've done the same thing with with previous running backs. So uh, I I don't think we should even factor it in that Mitchell was a, a day 3 pick versus Sermon or versus anyone else. Um Honestly, I'm just not sure they have much else to to even consider as as the future starter. So, um, for I don't know. I, I guess probably to my to my fault. I've been thinking about Mitchell as a a short term guy, or um, not looking at him as a as a long term asset, not ranking him as a long term asset. But I think I think he's certainly the favorite to be the 2022 starter uh, and maybe maybe almost locked in at this yeah, point. Kyle Shanahan 
every off season seems to bring in a veteran that they clamor about throughout the off season. I think this young kid has it though. It certainly looks that way. Um, for the Vikings, uh, Adam Thielen was good, five for sixty-two and two. Justin Jefferson was better, although he didn't get into the end zone. Four for eighty-three on nine targets and completed a twenty-four yard pass in this one. So uh, that does it. We got through all the games, guys. Uh, anything to add at the end here, Matt? No, not really. I mean, Madison is a it's a, it's an opportunity now to. Gosh, he's guess, had those before, though, right? And, he's had yeah. a gamer yeah. here or two here, and he, he's always kind of disappointed. He said he had a good run earlier this year. Yeah, this now year I, I guess. Now I can't remember. Yeah. I think he had a couple of like hundred yard games earlier this season when Dalvin was out. So like, uh, you know, it, this is a point. This is one of those inflection points where we talk about whether you're a contender. Do you need to buy him for your run now that you've, you're missing Dalvin, or maybe a different running back? Or if you're not a contender, it's time to cash in. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I'm, I'm really hoping Debo gets back on the field sooner rather than later. Especially, he's so much fun to watch with the ball in his hands. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We appreciate everybody who listened. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week.